0: Tyler, Tom Brady is back in Tampa Bay after an 11 game, excuse me, 11 day absence from training camp. You can see I'm definitely in midseason form here as we as we muster through the preseason. But uh, Tom Brady leaving Bucs practice for 11 days is very, very uh, odd, unique. If anybody could do it, it's definitely him. You said that before, Tyler, but uh, he definitely cut down one rumor and he was not a part of. Of the mass singer. What did you think about that rumor going around, man?
1: <laughs> I thought the rumor was ridiculous. I was asked this question a lot whether Tom Brady was, you know, on a reality show, uh, real housewives, desperate housewives, the mass singer. And, you know, it was personal reasons and they're keeping it close to the vest for a reason. And then, you know, there was a question if this was a big deal. South, you and I discussed this last week. I don't think it was a huge deal at all for Tom Brady. I mean, he's been in the league for over 20 years. He knows the ins and outs of training camp, NFL games. You know, he knows how to get ready for an upcoming NFL season. But I do think it was a big deal for, you know, they have an entirely new interior starting offensive line especially with the loss of Ryan Jensen. They got Julio Jones in free agency. He hasn't really built a rapport with Tom Brady. They got to, uh, you know, get a connection with Kyle Rudolph, their new tight end. And, you know, he hasn't, you know, caught a lot of passes from Tom Brady either. And then it is a big deal for the start of the season. I mean, if you look at their schedule, they have like a murderous row the first Four weeks of the season they start off with the Cowboys they play the Saints who have given them problems in recent years then they play the Packers and then they play the Kansas City Chiefs so that is a tough four game stretch to begin the season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so luckily Tom Brady's extended absence didn't trickle into the startup to the regular season But it is a big deal for some of those pieces that we'll be playing that need to build a connection chemistry with Tom Brady.
0: Yeah, so in that 11 days that Tom Brady was not with the Buccaneers, uh, the Bucs played two preseason games, so no need for Tom Brady to get any snaps there. Uh, Practice-wise, you know, probably half of that, at least six, seven practices maybe. I mean, Tom Brady's 45, like we said. I don't think he needs that much. We need to save some mileage there on, on the arm. (laughs) Right. <laughs> going into the season here, Tyler, but indulge me for a second here. Indulge me, indulge me. What song do you think Tom Brady is just busting out every time he plays karaoke? What song do you think Tom Brady confused everybody on The Masked Singer with?
1: Man, karaoke, what song? I mean, if it was me, I would bust out Tevin Campbell, Can't We Talk? But <laughs> Tom okay, Brady, okay. I think Tom Brady's more like a, you know, old school. I can see Tom Brady, you know, singing like some Elvis, some Madonna. Uh I mean, it's Tom Brady. Yeah, I think maybe even some Madonna, you know, some Beatles. What's Tom Brady going to sing? Like a virgin? Uh, I mean, I I don't know what Tom Brady's going to sing. I know he does not have a good voice, but I think Tom (laughs) Brady, kind of that classic, maybe rock, maybe jazz type. Feel. What kind
0: of what kind of rap song would Tom Brady say?
1: Um, uh, whew, that's a good question. stop one, one more thinking, one a more chance, bit too hard about one, one more, more chance, chance biggie. by
0: Biggie. Yeah, I can see that.
1: I, I can I can see that. That's you know in his time, you know. Early can, to mid '90s. I know. can see
0: some. I can see some NWA. You think you see
1: Tom Brady? No. can NWA. Not not at all. I can see <laughs> Vanilla Ice before <laughs> wow. NWA. Wow. Tyler. I can see yeah Vanilla <laughs> Ice before NWA. Not Tom Brady. Wow. Some Will Smith maybe. So oh I'm yeah, yes, yeah. Sum- yeah. Summertime, getting jiggy with it, yes, getting jiggy with it. I that, like that's that. more, that's more Tom Brady's lane. I, li- I like that for Tom Brady. I like NWA that is more for like Colin Kaepernick or somebody.
0: I could definitely see him like some new school stuff. I could see him doing some maybe some Jack Harlow for sure. I think yeah. we're just, I think we're just doing a bad job of stereotyping.
1: Yeah, I mean, no disrespect <laughs> to Tom Brady, but I don't see him, you know, doing that gangster rap type songs that he probably can't even recite the lyrics verbatim, so (laughs) not.
0: But, uh, Tyler, another story came out this week about Tom Brady and about another team that he potentially could have joined before joining the Buccaneers. And this one was courtesy of Rob Gronkowski and UFC president Dana White, who both essentially said that Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski were lined up to play for the... Las Vegas Raiders. Wow. So this is right before the Raiders got to Las Vegas, right? This is John Gruden still as a coach, still before his emails got leaked and before he started to file a lawsuit against, um, you know, the NFL. This is before we even, uh, you know, talked about Tom Brady and the, uh, the whole Dolphins connection here to Tyler. Um, obviously, Tom Brady was a free agent uh, after the 2020 season going into 2021 where he helped the Buccaneers beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But another team comes out to play here. And there were some talks about the Raiders potentially being in the mix for Brady during that time, Tyler. But what do you make of all these stories coming out about Tom Brady and where he could have gone and where he hasn't gone? Uh, What do you make of this, Tyler?
1: Man, so as someone who covers a lot of AFC West games, I would have personally loved this. I mean, you got Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, and now Russell Wilson in the same division. That, that will probably be the best collection of quarterbacks ever in one division. I mean, Tom Brady's name has been tossed around for, you know, a lot of teams. You said it's off for of the Dolphins, now, you know, the Raiders. Man, it's <laughs> you have to think, you know, what would the Las Vegas Raiders be like with Tom Brady? Now, Las Vegas and Tom Brady, I don't know if that is, you know, a good pairing. A good marriage, right there. I don't see that fitting, but mm-hmm. from you know a Raiders perspective, that, I mean, you would instantly put them as a contender to win the Super Bowl. Now, thinking about it now, I don't believe that the Raiders would have gotten Devontae Adams in a trade to um you know with the green bay packers if they would have acquired tom brady and that's not a knock on tom brady Devontae adams wanted to play with his best friend Derek Carr and also live closer to home so the raiders probably won't wouldn't have had uh Devontae adams but from an overall team perspective i think it would have put them in the super bowl conversation and that's what you want to be year end and year out so you know it, it is an interesting but Uh, I like the way Derek Carr also handled it as well. You know, he didn't, you know, take it as a knock on him and didn't, you know, wasn't negative about it and just said, you know, that's the nature of the business. But from the Raiders overall, if you're just an overall fan, I think you're happy with the way the team is constructed right now, even without Tom Brady.
0: Well, I think you're happy now because you have what you have now, right? You have Devontae Mm -hmm. Adams. And, you know, when you have a star receiver – Who's arguably one of the best, if not the best, receiver in the NFL? That will drastically change the tide of your team, right? You're happy about what you have now, but you don't even know what you could have had. You know what I'm saying? Like, this reminds me of kind of like something where like uh, somebody says, "You know, I'm going to win the lottery, and the first thing I'm going to do is redo my kitchen." No, you have no idea how much money you're going to actually have. You can buy a whole house, and the whole house could be a kitchen. That's how much money you'll actually have, <laughs> right? So, like, this is what like I think of like. Raiders fans don't know what life would have been like with Tom Brady. You don't know how mm-hmm. him and John Gruden would have been together. Um, that would have been fun seeing them argue together on the sidelines, right? right? Um, but also, look, Tom Brady is Tom Brady. I think he could probably take any franchise, you know, if it's really, really well constructed like the Buccaneers were. Um, I think the, the thing that really helped the Bucs out and I think was the deciding factor was you got Chris Godwin, you got Mike Evans, Antonio Brown came along uh Rob Gronkowski came along uh you had Leonard Fournette as well that offense I mean the Patriots were just dying like Tom Brady was dying for targets and and people to throw the ball to in New England Mm -hmm. right like you saw people come and go but his last couple years there it was a really really thin receiving core right and now you have two top 10 receivers in Mike Mike, uh, Evans and Chris Godwin of course I want to throw those guys right of course you want to throw to Gronk I don't think the Dolphins I don't think the Raiders even had that kind of talent on their offense. It would have been a waste of Tom Brady's time if he picked either of those two teams. Um but I do like the fact that you know Dana White and Rob Gronkowski are are were spilling the beans during the last UFC event where Gronk was announcing during that. Let's see some more inner workings of things going on like this because look, we love it. These are juicy storylines, Tyler. When the Dolphins get um you know disciplined for tampering when um <clears throat> and when the Raiders are, are in the mix for Tom Brady I mean that's juicy stuff that's a great those are great things to kind of hear and, and kind of talk about here like this what would have happened what should have happened um but we'll see it's it's funny that how tom brady has come back from his 11-day absence um has not yet talked to media has been kind of avoiding the media altogether really because he's gonna have to eventually maybe answer to some degree of where he was or what he was doing or what's going on with the dolphins did you really have interest in the raiders Tom Brady is going to get asked a bunch of questions that don't have to do with football. And I mean, he's a consummate pro. He's going to say what he has to say. He's going to obviously, you know, keep it all with football. But, uh, I think Tom Brady's uh, seeing a lot of distractions or a lot of things that are going on outside of what just is football right now. And, uh, we'll see how this affects him and, and the Buccaneers at the start of the season.
1: Yeah. I don't think they're going to have a good start to this season. I mean, I would not be surprised if they lost to the Cowboys week one. I do think they will beat the Cowboys, but, you know, you got the Saints, got the Packers, and the Chiefs. Um, I have them going two and two uh, through four weeks. I think they're going to lose to the Chiefs and lose to the Packers for sure. Um, The Cowboys and the Saints are up in the air. So, yeah, I do think it's going to affect – the start of the season just because they he does not have that chemistry with the new players yet.
0: All right guys. Now we're gonna get into some preseason winners and losers after the second preseason games around the league. Only one more Tyler. Only one more we got to get through before mm-hmm. the season. Mm-hmm. Well let's go through our first winner here. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has joined the Carolina Panthers after Uh, getting kicked out of Cleveland (laughs) and the Cleveland Browns. He was officially named starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers by coach Matt rule, beating out Sam Darnold for the job. Uh, Rookie quarterback, Matt Corral also had a season ending injury too. So Baker Mayfield is going to get the start in Carolina. And I really like this for uh, Baker Mayfield, Tyler. I think this is a low pressure, great opportunity situation for Baker Mayfield. No one's really expecting Carolina to do much this season. You know, I don't think Baker is going to really get as much criticism as he would have in Cleveland because he was their number one pick and their starting quarterback. But I think this is a good low pressure situation for Baker to kind of, you know, find his footing again and potentially thrive with 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 his health, which he didn't have last year.
1: Yeah. Baker Mayfield is a winner. Then Sam Darnold has to be the loser. We all saw this coming when the Panthers made this trade, you kind of figured that sooner rather than later, Baker Mayfield was going to get the starting uh, job. And, you know, he's slightly a better quarterback. I mean, he has a better passer rating. He has you know, a better winning percentage than Sam Darnold. And that's not saying much because Sam Darnold is 17 and 32 as a starting quarterback. Uh, But, you know, I I am surprised at how quickly I've heard Baker Mayfield has picked up the offense and has become a leader on the Panthers. And so, you know, that bodes well for him. Um, I do think the Panthers have a pretty good defense. Uh, Their offense, as long as uh, Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy, uh, can make some noise. Uh, but overall, I don't think Baker Mayfield moves the needle a whole lot in Carolina. He's still, you know, an average uh, quarterback. He still has some flaws. Uh, but you know, looking at his body of work and comparing it to Sam Darnold's, I do think Baker Mayfield is the better quarterback.
0: I do think so too, and it's um, it's really crazy to think about how these both both these guys were. Uh, two of the, the five quarterbacks taken in the 2018 draft. Um, so many others have done better in their careers, whether it's Josh Allen in Buffalo, Lamar and Jackson, the last pick of the first round, I believe, with the Baltimore Ravens. And actually, no, sorry, there was another quarterback taken. It was Josh Rosen, correct? 2018? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so it was really just Josh Allen and Lamar and Jackson. And Baker and Sam Darnold are kind of the last two, along with Josh Rosen, who's there? I guess I kind of already just in a backup role, won't won't be a breakout uh, quarterback, starting quarterback again. But um, <clears throat> it's it's tough to see Sam Darnold in this position. This was his second team. This was his opportunity to get over it being a top pick in a, in, a, in another uh, team. And look who came along. Another quarterback was a top pick. Who was looking for another opportunity on their second team too, right? This was supposed to be Darnold's second opportunity. He couldn't take it and run with it. Now Baker Mayfield's doing this and the Panthers are here like looking for anything to stick in that quarterback room. Right. I feel sorry for Matt Rule, that coach. He's, I believe, his fourth season, if not his fifth. I uh, believe his fourth, actually. But hot seat time in Carolina uh, is not worked out for Matt Rule since he came over from Baylor.
1: Do you feel as though Matt Rule is in the hot seat this season if the Panthers finish below? 500, do you think Matt Rule will be the coach in Carolina next year?
0: I don't think so, just because of the nature of the beast, which is the NFL and teams looking to, uh, you know, improve and and such. But, I mean, the things going against Matt Rule are obviously he couldn't get a quarterback, and that's the number one reason why things don't work out. You know, you had so many quarterbacks come in there from Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton, um, you know, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, like we said, he just can't find a QB. And that will be his downfall. I think Matt Rule is a really good coach with a good QB somewhere already in place. But he couldn't find one in Carolina. And Christian McCaffrey being hurt most of the time Matt Rule has been there definitely hasn't helped him either.
1: So I think if Matt Rule and the Panthers win eight to nine games, he should be able to last at least another season. That should afford him another year. Because you look at that division – they're not better top to bottom than the Bucks. They're not better top to bottom than the Saints. But they are more talented than the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons <laughs> might be the worst team in the NFL this upcoming year. No,
0: there's, there's some other they, teams they, out there. They,
1: they, they might be, though. I mean, they have a few pieces in Atlanta, but not too much. It's going to be a long season down there in the A. So when you look at the Carolina Panthers, nine wins, Eight wins. Ten wins is probably their ceiling. If Matt Rule can muster up eight wins, that should be able to save his job and afford him another year.
0: Eight wins.
1: Eight wins. Eight wins. Eight wins is the floor. Nine wins should be comfortable. Ten wins is their ceiling. That's not happening. I know it's not happening. I know ten wins isn't happening. Eight I think eight, eight wins. wins saves his job. I think eight
0: wins might be the ceiling, not, not the floor. Ceiling,
1: wow. The floor,
0: is, the floor is, you know, three wins, four wins. I don't know what Baker Mayfield can do here. Like I said, this is a good rehab spot for him. He's obviously not going to be forced to push the needle. This is a low-pressure situation. They win games, they win games. I think people expect him to lose. And, um, Tyler, I mean, this is a good transition to uh, – we did the first loser uh, winner, Baker Mayfield, excuse me, uh, let's go over to one of our, our losers here and Drew Locke, quarterback in Seattle. You mentioned a team that's gonna be really bad in Atlanta. No, no, no. I think this team Seattle could be worse. Uh, but Drew Locke missed his preseason start in game two because poor guy had COVID nineteen. Lost a position, lost an opportunity to try to gain some ground on Geno Smith for the starting job in Seattle. Uh, Tyler, I don't lie to you, and I, I haven't hid my feelings about how I feel about the Pittsburgh Steelers and their quarterback situation. <laughs> I also feel the same way about the Seattle Seahawks and theirs.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, I think the Seattle Seahawks, they're in a more dire situation than the Steelers. I'm hearing, you know, some optimism coming out of Pittsburgh. In Seattle, Geno Smith leaves a lot to be desired. And so does Drew Locke. They are both uh, sub-mediocre quarterbacks. And, you know, I just don't understand why Seattle is not calling the San Francisco 49ers every day to try to get Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, no, he's not elite, but he has proven if you have the necessary pieces around him, he can get you to the playoffs and probably can get you to the super bowl because he played in a a championship game so you know i do think that they should try to acquire a better quarterback and jimmy garoppolo is that man because seattle people look at i say it all the time dk metcalf uh tyler lockett i mean but the rest of the offense you look at it's like man and Pete Carroll, a defensive-minded football coach, you have to believe, even with the loss of Bobby Wagner and a lot of key pieces on defense, you have to believe that their defense is going to be better this season. But that offense, man, they Hit the are rebuilds. bad. Hit the rebuild,
0: Tyler. It's <laughs> time to rebuild in Seattle. But I, I
1: told Should you be. they weren't going to ship DK Metcalf. You got to keep some fans interested in Seattle. Seattle yeah,
0: is sure. a proud city. <laughs> Seattle's a proud city and I cannot wait to visit. Let me tell you but it's time to rebuild time to rebuild that franchise. Tyler, let's go over to another winner of the preseason and let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens. their 24-17 victory over the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday mm-hmm. was their 22nd consecutive preseason win. A straight dating back to 2015. If you are a sports better, you're hitting money every time <laughs> betting on the ravens will this ravens preseason streak and tyler this is such a unique and fascinating streak for so many reasons but preseason is just so so fluky right you don't know the players you don't know how much those starters are going to play and still the, the baltimore ravens are our preseason champs year in and year out and they got one more game coming up
1: tyler and it's not like they're playing, you know, all their starters and playing a Lamar Jackson. They're winning these games with their backups. Now, I will say this in that winner is Isaiah Likely, their tight end. He is having a monster preseason, the rookie. And, mm-hmm. you know, if there was such thing as a preseason MVP, he will be a candidate. Uh, he's looking like a really good tight end and to pair him with Mark Andrews. They might have some in Baltimore. I told you, AFC Mm. North champion. That's my prediction, the Baltimore Ravens. They're going to win the AFC North. I think the Bengals are going to get second, but they're both in the playoffs.
0: Man, I'm not going up against Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow. I mean, it's just Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews, right? I like J.K. Dobbs. I just said
1: Isaiah Likely. What? what? That's, a, that's a sleeper. Rookie guy.
0: Rookie guy. I'll, I'll let a rookie come and beat us if I just went to Super Bowl last year, right? <laughs> um, I think you're wrong on your prediction one. But uh, I do think the Ravens have a chance to go to 26. They're going to play Washington on Saturday at 7 p.m. at home. So one last preseason game for the Ravens. Let's see if they can get it up. To 26, Tyler. I don't know if this guy's a winner or a loser, Tyler. Um, but I think a very interesting situation happened uh, with the New York Giants game against the Cincinnati Bengals preseason last week. Kayvon Thibodeau, top five pick for the Giants, defensive man out of Oregon, uh, sustained a major knee injury. Well, thankfully it was not major, um, you know. But he had an MCL sprain. It looked a lot worse when we all saw the replay, but. It was a Bengals tight end, I believe, coming across uh, the the line of scrimmage behind uh, the offensive line. First cut block. You know, first player he sees is Kayvon Thibodeau. His job is to do a cut block or go for the legs, not really uh, to injure, but to slow down Thibodeau and help that play. And unfortunately, this player made contact with Thibodeau's knee. It was a really ugly replay, Tyler. Um, And it's really been a true cause of debate of, Dirty play, not dirty play, football, not football. Uh, You know, I've seen some NFL offensive linemen online talk about it, you know, really vocally about it. Um, How do you think about what do you think about this Kayvon Thibodeau situation? His knee as it progresses here.
1: Well, I will call uh, Thibodeau lucky and blessed because I've seen a whole lot of uh, knees get blown out with cut blocks that look like that. And luckily, it's not an injury that's going to keep him sidelined for a long time. There's even speculation that he could be back week one. Um, Now, is it a dirty play or, you know, a legal play? It is a legal play. However, if I am Moss, who was the uh, Bengals tight end, Randy Moss's son, I would probably have went a little bit higher. It's the preseason. I know you're trying to make the Bengals roster, trying to make a name for yourself, but you don't want to try to, you know, dive at a player's knee in a in a meaningless preseason game. You can impress. In fact, you would impress the coaches even more if you went up high and blocked Thibodeau because that shows them <laughs> that you have the strength and the power to block a premier pass rusher heads up and not go the easy way out and taking somebody's legs in a cup block. So that's just me. I would have went high to impress my coaches more. Kasafit, I'm going to keep it real. Me, you, we can cut block anybody. You just dive at their legs. We may miss, (laughs) but cut blocking, that is the easiest way of blocking somebody in the NFL. So if you're trying to impress your coaches, go high. But Thibodeau Mm -hmm. is very lucky that that wasn't a serious knee injury. And I'm as a football fan and football fans across the country, they should be happy because we want to see Thibodeau play this season. Uh, Going in, the last college football season, he was the consensus number one player in the board and going into the draft, he was my top player in NFL draft over Aiden Hutchinson, you know, over Trayvon Walker, it was Kayvon Thibodeau. And so I want to see how he performs this year with the chip on his shoulder because he believes that he should have been the number one overall pick.
0: Tyler, there's so many schools of thought here on this. Um, and, and I think – I just think of, um, you know, Mark Schlereth said something really uh, – significant. he made a Twitter video and he was very vocal. He said, this is not a dirty play. Uh, this is a football play. He said, every offensive – every offense in the NFL has some variation of this play where a tight end, a fullback, or even a receiver is crossing behind the line of scrimmage, crossing behind the offensive lineman, and their job is to go and touch – and make sure that the uh, defensive end or the edge rusher on defense is checked, right? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I hear what you're saying about above the thigh, um, and I believe that's you know a, a better use of the technique, or uh, you know just rolling on the ground and maybe just tripping up and having the person fall on you is probably a better technique too. But uh, Marsh has also said that this was bit you know pretty bad technique by Kayvon Thibodeau. Mm -hmm. And when I look at the video, I kind of see the same thing, too, because Thibodeau sees this player coming at him and it kind of feels like he's still trying to go around that player to make a play on the uh, (laughs) football, Mm -hmm. whereas he should have seen this player coming and kind of realized that this this guy is not coming to shake my hand and play patty cake right now. He's coming and come in, you know, cut block me and he's coming to make sure that I'm not in this play so that I can not wreak havoc on defense here. Um, So, ultimately, this is a teaching moment for Kayvon Thibodeau. And, you know, thankfully for him and thankfully for the Giants, you know, he's not out for the year. Um, You know, like you said, good good miss up to a month, maybe longer. Uh, Same thing with Zach Wilson, man. These New York teams, they can't can't catch a break with their young talent, man. Kayvon Thibodeau, top five pick. Zach Wilson was the number two pick starting his second season with the Jets. um, Both suffering knee injuries in the preseason. Uh, both very lucky to not lose these players for the entire season. you know hopefully get them you know by week four if not, you know at least the second month of the season. but man, um, I'm just really happy that he was able to avoid injury. I'm happy we're not really um, giving this this other player a lot of criticism for it because of the injury. Mm-hmm. you know if it was a more serious injury, this other player would be getting a lot more harsh harsher criticism than you know he deserves. He made the football play. Um, you know, he could have went a little higher. He could have went a little lower. Um, he went where he went. I don't think his intention was to hurt anybody. I think his intention was just to make the block. But I also don't know the player that well either, and I'm not sure how to really read intentions on that uh, on that end
1: too. But. This is just more proof that they need to get rid of the preseason and just have joint practices. I mean, you're covering a joint practice this week, Safid. I covered a joint practice last week. You get one-on-ones. You get seven on sevens against the other team. You get eleven on elevens against the other team. You get a look in joint practices. Done. We don't need all these preseason games. These meaningless games. You can have a scrimmage with the starters. You can have a scrimmage with the backups. Joint practices. So they're honestly more I, entertaining than the preseason. Safi. you know I'm not lying.
0: I was just gonna tell you the most interesting part of my day, Tyler. so dolphins and eagles are joint practicing here at uh in miami tyler and the first play of one-on-one drills so everybody stretched warmed up chilled they had their walkthrough in the dolphins indoor facility first plays one-on-ones it's wide receiver versus running back oh excuse me versus a corner they're just going one-on-one and the quarterbacks are throwing that's it nobody else is on the field nothing the first play tyler the first play Tyreek Hill just eats Darius Slay's lunch, man. Mm-hmm. He just burned him, burned him, and poor Darius Slay pulled up with a hamstring. Oh, and I feel so bad for Darius Slay. First play, he's limping. He's limping. Everybody was looking. It was a huge cheer from uh, some fans in attendance because it's Dolphins. They got the fans there. Two or three Tajana Tyreek Hill. That's the whole big story in Miami here, Tyler. But man, AJ Brown, the new Eagles receiver. Just went on Twitter, saw a video of the play I'm telling you about, and was like, all right, now I'm posting videos of us cooking y'all corners. <laughs> AJ Brown. AJ Brown. Oh, I think he had a good couple plays today, too. I, uh, it, you know, It's two fields. It's hard to see all the things going on at once. Mm-hmm. I believe AJ Brown had a good um, one-on-one or, or a good couple reps against uh, Xavier Howard, the Dolphins corner. But this is the kind of drama that we want to see in joint practices. It's nice mm-hmm. to see. One go against one. They're both in practice settings. No real tackling kind of going on. Everybody's just kind of, you know, hugging each other up a little bit. The tempers were flare, you know, in any kind of joint practice, some more than others. But the competition that you get in these practices, especially with these guys trying to find the rosters and make rosters, excuse me, much better than the product that we're getting
1: in the preseason. Right. And you can put the team in certain situations that you might not get in the preseason. And like you said, like I was seeing Keenan Allen go up against, you know, Diggs from the Cowboys and, you know, Micah Parsons going up, you know, against the chargers offensive line. So the joint practices that they are, you know, a lot more beneficial uh, than the preseason, in my opinion. Uh, But, you know, I get why they, they're still a preseason. I mean, I get the argument. However, from a fan's perspective and from our perspective, I think the joint practices are a little bit better and more fruitful.
0: Well, Tyler, you know what's going to happen now, right? What? They're going to start broadcasting the joint practices.
1: Hey, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'm fine you know with that, that.
0: You know the NFL does not pass up any opportunity to make a dollar. You know that. I'm fine with that. I'm pretty and We sure. already
1: have inside training camp, so inside joint practices.
0: There you go. Just get a camera, And here's the thing, too. Here's the hard part is all the teams are going to watch the joint practices and know how to scout out both teams, right? Like how do you monetize this if you're the NFL? Because joint practice is probably your better, better game or better situation than the preseason. But you can't show 11 on 11. I mean, you're literally putting on game film, uh, you know, for all your opponents at your preseason. Like, you know, Dolphins are playing the Patriots week one. You think they want to show them anything that they're showing the Eagles right now? I don't think so. Um, I'm sure the Eagles don't want to show the NFC East anything either, but they're still going to make the playoffs and do better than the Giants and Washington. Oh, Maybe so you got the, the Cowboys the playoffs.
1: too. That, 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 that was news in there. You think the Eagles are going to make the playoffs?
0: I mean, they made the playoffs last year. They got a better receiver. I don't think that's really a, a, a far stretch there, Tyler.
1: Hey, hey, I think that that's low-key news. I My proposal is two joint practices uh, per off season, different teams, and then – add an additional week to the season. So instead of week 18, have week 19. Plus, it's better to have, you know, an even number in there. I mean, week 19, obviously, and then you have one by each team. So that that's my proposal. Maybe the competition committee can is listening to this podcast. Yeah. And we can make it happen. Two buys. Give me two buys.
0: I think all two of the, the buys teams were like two buys, yes. There's enough teams going around, man. There's enough games every week you don't have to have uh, thirty-two divided by sixteen. You don't have to have sixteen games every week. You can have fourteen. You can have thirteen. You got games on Thursday. You got games on Monday. That I mean, that's true.
1: You know so you don't have, to buy, have so two buys and a, a week nineteen. Uh,
0: yeah, a week ni- or week twenty. How about a week twenty?
1: Oh, so you're still going to have eighteen games then?
0: Just kill, just kill. Yeah, eighteen games and you make it twenty weeks. You and give each no, team no preseason. And no preseason, start week one, bro. Out the gate, training camp already long enough as it is, man. It is,
1: it is. I, I, I mean, I like, I like your idea that that is two. Uh, that is an extra game, though. I had an extra game too. Uh, yeah, I like your idea. I mean, we we kind of have the same conclusion. Yeah, add one Just more game and eliminate the preseason. So as long <laughs> as we eliminate the preseason, <laughs> that's what we both have.
0: Yeah, training camp is too long, man. I mean, these guys have been in training camp since the end of July, so it's at least a month. Then they have to wait at least two more weeks, as we're talking now, Tyler, for the season. I mean, six, seven weeks of a training camp. I mean, that's that's just so long. These guys have been training every year. They're training in the OTAs in May. You know, four weeks, man, four or five weeks. That's what college teams get. Why why can't can't NFL teams do the same thing?
1: Yeah, well, a a lot of teams kind of hide – the the training camp because now like some teams don't call it training camp anymore these are just practices uh so for some teams like their training camp ended you know the first second week of august even though it still has a training camp feel until the the start of the regular season but yeah i am all for the nfl cutting out preseason
0: All right, guys, we're going to hit you with a couple quick hitters of some NFL news this week. Uh, But Cincinnati Bengals safety Jesse Bates returned to training camp. Actually, he just appeared at training camp for the first time. Never left. He never left. You know, he just showed up. uh, But he finally signed his franchise tender with the team. Tyler, I know we spoke about Jesse Bates wanting a new long term contract from the Bengals. Where does he stand here? And I guess how is his approach uh, going into camp now and joining the team before the season?
1: Well, you know, you kind of figure this was coming. Uh, Jesse Bates had zero leverage. It was either sit out the entire season or sign the uh, franchise tag, which is worth uh, approximately $13 million. So you knew at some point Jesse Bates was going to sign his deal. He does love playing for the Bengals and, you know, really good friends with a lot of uh, his teammates. You have to wonder, though, if this is going to be his last season. In Cincinnati, because I have a hunch the Bengals are not going to offer him uh, the type of contract that he desires. And mind you, he has the same agent as Derwin James, who is now the highest-paid safety in NFL history.
0: Good point of note, uh, and also you mentioned on a podcast previously, Tyler, uh, the Bengals drafted a lot of safeties. They did. <laughs> they did they drafted a lot of safeties. But look, Jesse Bates was really, really interest- instrumental. Excuse me, in there. Super Bowl run. I mean, literally, he's in on the game winning interception at the end of that game against the Chiefs in the mm-hmm. AFC title game. Like, if you don't beat the Chiefs, you don't make the Super Bowl. Jesse Bates was in the middle of that play. That's why you pay players. This is why you give players money. So they make plays like that and win games for you to help you get into the big show. Um, we'll see how this goes in Cincinnati. I think, you know, maybe some of these other safeties ball out, but. I think when you know you have a standout safety, you should try to keep them, especially if you're Cincinnati. But we talked about this as well, Tyler. They're going to have to play a lot of guys on offense coming up, man. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yes. (laughs) Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase. And you're already paying Joe Mixon. Where is that money going to come from? Oh, and by the way, you do have a pretty good left tackle in Jonah Williams too. And you want to protect Joe Burrow. It's a lot of money thrown around in Cincinnati. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. I yeah. oh. Jesse Bates, he ain't getting none yet. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. They're,
1: I mean, around $13 million. That's that's good enough for now. But, yeah, you have to wonder if he's going to be in Cincinnati for the foreseeable future, i.e. next season.
0: Definitely. He's definitely going to be a trade piece coming up here. Uh, let's talk about another one of your favorite teams, Tyler, the Los Angeles Chargers. I know Justin Herbert is your boy. I know you're really exa- uh, excited about this Chargers defense, but cornerback J.C. Jackson just underwent ankle surgery. He is expected to be out at least two to four weeks here. Uh, Tyler, I know we, we're here two to four weeks for a lot of these players, man. I, I feel like somebody's capping out here. Somebody lying, somebody gonna be, <laughs> somebody's coming back week three, week four, week six. But uh, how do you think the Chargers are gonna do without J.C. Jackson in the meantime?
1: Well, you know, I did hear is a minor uh, procedure that he had minor cleanup in his ankles. So, you know, I do expect he won't miss anything longer than four weeks. There's some optimism that it will be on the two to three side. And the Chargers desperately need him to start the season because they face the Las Vegas Raiders and Devontae Adams in week one. And then they go up to Kansas City on that Thursday night or on a short week to face the, the Chiefs. Uh, And they're, you know, high-powered offense with a new receiving corps. So they need J.C. Jackson, their uh, top cornerback, definitely.
0: It's going to be a long year for your Chargers, Tyler. (laughs) Uh, Let's go into another another player uh, making the PUP list, Tyler. But Chase Young, the dynamic Washington defensive end, will start the season on the PUP, which means – He'll miss at least the first month of the season. I believe he could miss even more because he tore his ACL last November. Um, you know, this was a move, obviously, Washington knowing Chase Young in the recovery, it's going to take some time. But uh, what do you think Washington is this season without Chase Young for an indefinite amount of time, Tyler?
1: Well, with Chase Young, they have four first round picks along the defensive line. Chase Young regressed last year as far as, you know, his production. But, you know, if he can get back to form of his rookie year when he won defensive uh, rookie of the year, then the Washington, uh, I was about to say Washington football team, Washington commanders now, they will have, you know, one of the best uh, defensive fronts in football. And they need their defense to play at a high level because you really don't know what Carson Wentz and that offense is going to do week in and week out. So this is a significant blow for the commanders. However, let's hope for their sake that he is on the four to five week range of Mounters weeks miss because they desperately need him to get back to that defensive rookie of the year form.
0: Tyler, can we talk about something that's going on in the NFL right now that I would love to have your opinion about? Okay. What do you, what do you think about the players being the coaches, Tyler? What do you, th- what do you think about, what do you think about uh, Cliff Kingsbury giving Kyler Murray the headset and the play sheet, and he's like, "Here, go call plays." What do you think about the Detroit Lions, who just recently gave their players uh, the entire practice themselves? Coaches weren't even there on Monday. Tyler, what do you think about the players coaching themselves up? You think it's a good idea?
1: I think it's a good idea to an extent. You don't want the players to, you know, have too much power over play calling, over scheme and everything. However, you know, for Kyler Murray's sake, this is a sign that he's doing the extra work behind closed doors instead of playing video games, which we heard a whole lot about. So he knows the offense he knows the ins and outs and has a deep knowledge of the system. So that's good. And for the Lions... I think they're going to be a mess this season, too. I do like their draft. I like what they did. However, I, I think uh, Motown, it's going to be a lot of blues in Motown. A lot of blues. It's
0: going to be a mess, man. They're just going to be a it's, mess. It's going to be a
1: mess. There ain't going to be no biting off kneecaps. It's not going to be none of that. Mm. It's going to be a whole bunch of L's.
0: So it's really funny because Cliff Kingsbury was like kind of telling me, Kyler Murray, like, you see, it's not as easy as – you think it may be for me to call plays for you. I think that's a good kind of uh, moment there for Kyler Murray. Um, You know, he's wondering what Cliff is going to do. Cliff Kingsbury, this is his third season, I believe, as a coach now in the NFL. First year was rocky at times. Last year was tough because you lose big games and the coach still has to coach football. But um, you kind of give Kyler Murray an interesting perspective of what the coach has to go through, which is great. As for the Lions, like you said, This is just the players picking up like, all right, we can go in the offseason and go do that, too. Everybody get together. Let's script some things out and go uh, and let's make it happen. Um, You know, kudos to everybody trying to make something happen, make something different. This goes back to our overlying conversation, Tyler. Preseason trading camp too long, man. It's too long. Everybody don't know what to do. The Lions, the coaches want a day off. Cliff Kingsbury wants to take preseason games off. He don't want to call plays. He wants to call plays. He wants Kyler Murray to call plays in the preseason, man. There's too much well, going on.
1: It, it is, it is. But again, see now the Cardinals—they're in Nashville for joint practices. They can have some of that Nashville barbecue. They can go oh. down and you know, you know, have, have a good time. Have some of that hot chicken, Prince. Oh, no. I recommend Prince's if you're in Nashville. Uh, so I you know, a you got ch- chicken. <laughs> so you have a change of scenery. And so maybe, you know, it'll, it'll be it'll bode well for the team. Maybe they'll start off uh, strong this year again and maybe finish somewhat strong, somewhat.
0: Somewhat. We always have, yeah, listen, Dallas <laughs> Cowboys and the Arizona Cardinals, they are not escaped from Tyler's wrath uh, for their ends of this season. Uh, Tyler, let's kick it out with uh, one last bit here. Have you seen the Manti Teo documentary on that? I
1: watched it last night.
0: Dude, I've been watching it too. How great is this documentary?
1: It is outstanding. I feel very sorry for Man's Tail. You can definitely see how, you know, the whole Catfish situation had an effect on him on and off the field. And you can make a case that it kind of ruined his career because he was just trying to restore his image after that. And, you know, Lucky, Luckily for him, you know, he got some help and, you know, is getting better and is recovering from that situation. But you can tell that it definitely affected uh, him and his family. And, you know, but now, you know, he has a family of his own. He's married now. So I am happy that, you know, he has, you know, recovered to an extent and got his life back on track. But you can tell it kind of ruined his football career.
0: Tyler, just the unfolding of this entire story. Um, I'm halfway through the second episode, it's only two episodes, but mm-hmm. the first one is just incredible. The lengths this other person went through to, uh, deceive Manti Teo. Um, and it's just so crazy how catfishing was not a thing, you know, it, until it became a thing and mm-hmm. everybody just poked fun, myself included. It was so easy to make Mantiteo the butt of your jokes. Um, and it really lets us know, I guess, how cruel we are as people. Mm-hmm. Um, to make fun of Man in this fashion and also kind of things that people go through in their personal lives and through social media and using it as an outlet too. Um, there's just so many layers to this story. I feel bad for Man and everything he's been through. Um, I really hope that this documentary provides some kind of clarity and levity for him and his life. And hopefully for everybody watching it too, it gives you an opportunity to kind of look at yourself and say, did I make fun of this guy? I should really uh, think about the things I say or openly joke about because you don't really know what anybody is kind of going through. And this is something that we've never really seen before until Mm -hmm. MTV made Catfish a series. And, you know, people are learning how to not be duped by, you know, texts and robocalls and emails. And, oh, can you send me this? And I'll send you this amount of money. And it's just crazy times that we're living in. And um, I'm really glad to see Manzaitaro doing much better after that.
1: We, the media, we have some culpability in this as well. And you will see in the second episode how the media portrayed the story and ran with the story, whether, you know, it's sexuality, whether, you know, he was in on this. And we have to do a better job of covering players better and understanding that they are human, too and they have emotions, they have feelings. And I think it's very important that us in the media when we cover athletes to most of the time or try hard to keep things on the field. Because when you talk about a player's personal lives and they don't want it to be talked about, then you know you are, you know, getting into, you know, their privacy where they might not want their privacy. Uh, being told and their personal lives being told, and that could affect somebody emotionally, psychologically, and can cause harm to their health. So, we need to be a bed, we need to be better not only as a society, but as media on how we cover athletes and ev- everybody in general, because that can have a huge effect on somebody personally, psychologically, mentally, and physically.
0: I agree with you as as a media, as a whole. There's so many times where we are asked to write a report or opinionate on things where we don't know who these people are, you know, like mm-hmm. and we just know what we know. Um, and then you infer what you infer, just like people were like, Oh, is Manti Teo in on this? And there's also a part of this too, Tyler, where you know, the reporters reach out to Manti Teo and said, Hey, we know this is going on. You know, can we speak to you about it? And you know, that could have been an opportunity for Manti Teo to say, hey. I don't know what the hell's going on either what do you guys know that's corroborating all this and I could have probably saved his image a little bit easier than if he were to be like oh media oh no 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 i can't do anything with the media i think people have a really really adverse um thought of the media and understandably so for everybody's respective reasons but uh if you have a reporter that actually cares to reach out to somebody or tries to make contact with somebody and says mm-hmm. hey i'm writing a story I would like to have your opinion on it or I would like to tell you what I have and what you think or, you know, let me know what's going on so I can write a better story or, you know, if you're going to try to talk me down and say, hey, I'm not ready for this to come out yet, all right, well, it's going to have to happen at some point. Like, there's communication that needs to happen on all sides. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen, Tyler. And there's reasons why people have these effects on media or their thoughts on media, particularly these athletes too. And that's why, you know, we have the same way of, of, of how we try to do our job as well. It's a little difficult. It's hard to tote this line, but I think everybody's kind of trying to do their best as, as much as they can. All right. We didn't hear from producer Emily this episode, but don't worry. She's always hanging around with us here on It's a Football Podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another edition. Uh, I'm Safa Dean, and that was Tyler Dragon. Remember, guys, the NFL season is right around the corner. And if you haven't already, download the USA Today Sports Plus app in your Apple Store and in your Google Play. You can set up your favorite teams and get notifications for everything that's going on with your favorite ball club. Uh, Thanks for listening and tune in to us next week.
1: It's a football podcast. Find it now on the USA Today Sports Plus app, where the biggest fans... Fan harder. So good.